Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. I'm your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this, this particular episode. If you have been following along, we have been recapping the season two series of Ted Lasso. We are now on episode eight. This episode is entitled Man City. It was written by Jamie Lee and directed once again by Matt Lipsy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to unpack with this episode. It was a heavy hitter. I think this episode might be the longest one yet for the season. Maybe not. I don't know, but it felt long. Now, last episode was pretty heavy, but we continue. We continue that along with this particular episode. And where some of the other episodes was more like a kind of like a three plot series this one is more of like a four plot series and we still have kind of like an over like an overreaching or overarching plot and that obviously is the FA Cup semifinal match against Manchester City we'll cover that shortly but as we've been doing and what i think works pretty well is just to recap the show based on in no particular order but just kind of cover it within the plots right so within this episode we've got we got four main plots, right? So what do we have? We'll we'll start with our A plot. And this essentially is kind of a carryover. And this would be the, the Dr. Sharon or the Doc Sharon or Doc or Sharon or Dr. Sharon uh, Fieldstone, whatever, whatever, however you want to refer to her. This is her and Ted's arc. Now, I hinted that this might be the way that they would approach it and... I feel like I'm I'm cheating, but I'm not. I really I'm really not. I'm not cheating on these episodes. But we got a better, stronger insight to to who she is, right? What she's like when she's not at AFC Richmond, right? And that's good. I mean, it allows us to see a little bit again more humanity within her. So, what do we learn? Well, the doc has a doc of her own, and not only that. She talks a lot about Ted Lasso and what we find out is she in fact is a lot like Ted Lasso, like personality wise. Right. And our doctor calls it out. She, uh, her doctor mentions that Ted uses uh, humor to deflect serious circumstances and Dr. Sharon uses her own intelligence as a form of deflection. Now, all of that is really good. And we've got this great scene while you know she's headed to work she you know she's jamming out to uh to a song i forget the i forget the name of the song i think it was witness uh but I, I, anyway she's jamming out she's having a good time she's a little bit of like bicycle rage unfortunately for her, she gets run over by a car on her way to work while jamming out to some of these tunes now ted meets her up in the hospital they have a, a fun little conversation a little banter he walks her home we learn a little bit more about her, we see a little bit more just one-on-one time between the two of them. What was interesting though is when we get to her, her quite frankly, her kind of like bland housing situation. What we do know, the only thing really of substance there is that she's got several empty bottles of booze, right? So that's intriguing. A little bit more to uh, the doc than we than we than we thought ahead of time, right? But anyway, we don't really focus so much on that within this episode it's really all about like team building between ted and doc sharon like he he buys her a bicycle 
he calls her to check on her, make sure that like her concussion, you know, she's okay. She's in a good place. But we, we see trust and rapport building within that. And that all culminates in the end when Ted Lasso gives her a call and he opens up to her and he opens up to her and us as an audience in a way that we haven't heard. We knew that his father was no longer around. We knew that his father had died. But in this episode, we find out that his father, in fact, killed himself when Ted was 16 years old. And that itself really has played a massive part in Ted's life, like huge, right? I mean, this is something that that shapes him who he is. I don't even know where I'm going with that. That could only be more of a catalyst to find out more about Ted and 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 how the relationship between he and, and, and Doc Sharon are going to blossom. Of course, if the the writers want to be dicks, what they could do is they could just straight up like make her a shitty doctor and she just spills the beans to Trent Krim and we we find out all about that. That would be horrible. I can't imagine that the show would go that route. But I don't know. My 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 brain is trying to figure out other forms of antagonism. But in the interim, at least within this episode, this was a huge moment for for the doc and Ted. So massive, massive win. Um uh transitioning into uh, a B plot. It happened, y'all. Uh, the the Sam and Rebecca plot finally comes full circle. Sam asks her out on a date all through the, the banter app, and Rebecca agrees. And so we, we've got different little scenes of them getting kind of ready, right? But the big scene was Sam reaching out to Isaac McAdoo, the captain, asking for a haircut, which is a big deal because he only does one a year for each player, right? So it has to be a big deal. And Isaac takes enormous pride and you have like a really great scene of him, of him cutting his hair. You also have uh, Rebecca calling out to Keely on the phone. You know, she needs a little powwow and she's trying to, uh, she, she needs a little kind of like push her, push her through the door to actually commit to this, uh, to the state. So they go on their date and wouldn't you know it, it is basically, again, I, I swear I'm not cheating on this, but basically, again, kind of something that I had predicted, which is you're going to get that classic television slash movie, mute, uh, meet cute or cute meet, however you want to phrase it, where they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, what are you doing here? That's funny. And and then uh, Sam texts uh, Rebecca through the banter app and Rebecca realizes, oh shit, it's Sam. Now, Rebecca, to her credit, immediately was like hesitant on like, no, 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 I can't do this. I'm your boss, which very, very good point, Rebecca, because you are his boss. So that was good. But what was interesting, and what I found very intriguing is Sam wasn't remotely phased that it was his boss. And I don't know how I feel about that based on everything that we know about Sam thus far. Sam has very, very defined scruples, you know, and for him to not be care, like to have no cares in the world that the girl that he's been flirting with is his employer. I find a little contradictory to what we've already seen with him. 
And not only that, at the end of the date, he was kind of presumptuous and and uh, trying to make that 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 next little nudge to not just walk her home, but walk through the door, if you know what I mean. And that that I don't know. I don't know how I really, really feel about that. It's actually I do. I do. Um, I think they're cute. I think, you know, I I think Sam is adorable. I think Rebecca is adorable. And I think they're both very adorable. But I don't know if I think they're adorable together. But I'm not trying to be a hater. And it's not because they're Sam and Rebecca. And I can think of another television show that had a Sam and Rebecca uh, uh, romance um, co-workers. Cheers. I'm, I'm referring to cheers. But I don't know. And I don't think it's the age gap. But and maybe part of me is is um, I go back to I work for a company and there was a ton, a ton of fraternization where employers were hooking up with their insubordinates and it was messy. I can't think of many circumstances where now, granted, the the couple, the couple were fine. In fact, one of the couples are married now, but for the other employees, it, it was a very dicey, ugly situation. And I'm not going to get into too many details, but not too many people were very happy about the boss stooping one of the employers. So yeah, I think, I think I take a personal different way and a different element, but also just, I think even if I take that aside and I just look at the narrative structure, I don't know if I think it works. I just don't know. Again, is it possible? Sure. Can it continue? Sure. And I'm torn between like my own personal beliefs on the uh, the the boss having a secret relationship. Shit. They even like the closing song on this episode was somewhere only somewhere only we know, right? By King. I, I think I've I, I think I butchered the song title, but somewhere only somewhere somewhere only we know something like that, right? The song by King. It was a big song, but obviously. It's about a secret, right? Uh, a, a private place or a private relationship. And this is what we've got right here. So this, this is tricky. This is tricky. Now, before that somewhere only we know moment, we're, we're at the post-FA Cup semifinal match and Rebecca texts Sam and he gives her her address and she's about to walk out the door. And what do you know? It's Sam's right there. And it's cute and sweet, but can we pause for a second and also like look at the kind of like the creepy stalker aspect that Sam is just like hanging outside her front door? Did that like, like, I I know that they're going for the sweet, cute element to it, but again, it just, it's, it's hitting me in a place where I'm like, I don't buy it or I don't like it. Like I like them both. And and maybe if they they weren't in an office romance where she was the employer employer and he was just an employee, maybe I would I would be more intrigued. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm I'm just I'm not there yet. So for those of you that are like, oh, it's adorable, I love it, great. Maybe I'll come around. Maybe I'll come around. But I'm not there yet, and I, I'm looking at the the potential conflicts as a result. But there you go. That that would be your B plot. 
Now your C plot obviously is going, is all about Jamie. We haven't had a lot of Jamie in the past couple episodes. So the fact that we have something with substance for him in this episode, I really, really enjoyed. And this one was all about Jamie and his dad, right? It's, it's the episode essentially starts off with Jamie, like ghosting a call from his dad. And then that's juxtaposed with Sam taking a phone call from his father, right? And his father is talking about how proud he is of, I'm sorry, Sam's father is so proud of, of Sam because of the pressure that he put on uh, cerithium oil and everything that was going on with Nigeria and all those efforts, efforts paid off. And Sam's father is so proud like he's just like through the roof excited and Jamie observes all that. And you get that sense that Jamie has just enormous sense of envy of the relationship that Sam has with his father, because he doesn't have that. Right. And then the next communication that Jamie gets from his father is his father asking for ticks, uh, tickets to the, the Wembley FA cup final. And so reluctantly, Jamie goes to see Higgins and Higgins' new office, uh, a cleaning closet, and he gets tickets. And I'll have a little bit more about that because um, Higgins has a really, really great quote. And I think it's probably the quote of the week. But fast forward, his father's coming to the match. And of course, his father's wearing a Jamie Tart kit, but he's wearing a Manchester City Jamie Tart kit. And of course, Jamie Tart doesn't play for Manchester City. And he's every bit of a dick as he is to his son as, as as he is to the other people within the stadium. And it appears that he was probably like in the, the uh, AFC Richmond section. And he was just, just super smug and a total dickhead. Right. Well, that continues because after the match, he saunters into the dressing room, totally mocking the team, mocking Jamie, mocking everybody thinking it's all in good spirits. And it all leads to this moment where he and Jamie, so Jamie's father and Jamie have a confrontation and Jamie tries to be the better guy by like turning his way, turning away. But Jamie's father like pushes him and then Jamie turns around and clocks the ever loving shit out of his old man. And there's like this sense where at first you're like, hell yeah, that's awesome. You know, great. Well done way to stand up for yourself. But then you have this other moment where like, that's, that's his dad. And you just don't do that. And yeah, it was heavy. It was a heavy, heavy moment. And you and everybody else in the dressing room, they were all feeling it. And everybody was just kind of stunned silent. And coach beard kicks out Jamie's father and it was, it was kind of weird because nobody knew what to do. Hell, even, even Ted was kind of shocked. But there was this great moment where, where something else incredible happened. And before I say that, I want to transition into the D plot because they're kind of related. So our D plot deals with Roy and Phoebe and specifically Roy's like influence on Phoebe. It's now affecting like her schooling. And what I mean by that is now Phoebe, you know, Roy's niece, totally adorable, super cute. Well, now she's taken up to swearing and using similar, similar, uh, um, 
cutdowns uh, that that Roy is notorious for. So Roy is invited into a sit down with uh, Phoebe and his teacher, the the absolutely adorable, and I believe she's Irish, but the the adorable Irish uh, teacher whose name I believe was like Miss Bowen. They have a sit down, and essentially it comes down to how Roy is, you know, a, a big big influence on her life and he needs to watch his mouth around her so phoebe and roy they get out they go have a little ice cream and they have their moment and i gotta tell you i freaking love the scenes between brett goldstein who plays roy roy kent and the the young actress that plays his niece phoebe those moments are quite possibly like my favorite stuff that this show does and maybe it's because i have a daughter Maybe, probably, more than likely. Uh, but there's just this beautiful sincerity in the in the scenes that they share. And it's it's beautiful, it's intimate, it's touching, and it's it, it's different. It's no longer a a show about football and it's no longer a show about like office dynamics or office romance, but a a true like family element and you see this very very flawed character and we also know that roy has a huge heart on the inside but he's just got this very very uh hard candy shell outing right uh so he, he's like a he's like an m&m right he's full of great stuff on the inside but he's got that that hard candy coating on the outside but their scenes bring out some really good stuff, whether he, uh, Roy is helping Rebecca understand that kids just want to be involved to he learning a little bit about himself and he understands the influence that he has on her. And maybe he could use his influence in not just maybe, you know, colorful phrases, but an element that is something good and inspiring and uplifting. And of course, all of that all of that culminates into, oh shit, even before I get that, what we also know about Phoebe is Phoebe has a shitty father of her own, right? He's completely invisible. And so Roy's sister basically takes care of Phoebe. And then when Roy's sister is busy, he's the one with her. So Phoebe's father is invisible. So this all culminates into another shitty father. And after Jamie decks the ever-loving hell out of, out of his own father, the one person that's there for, for Jamie is Roy, something that we've never seen to date, right? Because we know of the relationship between Roy and Jamie and Roy doesn't hesitate. He goes over there. He, he, you know, he locks, you know, locks arms with Jamie and just lets Jamie get it all out. And it's very sweet and it's very tender. And I'm going to lie to you if I say that I, I didn't get a little misty when I watched that. Cause I did this, this moment has been coming for a long time and it came out in a way that I wasn't quite prepared for. So I loved that. I loved it. I loved it. So that's your episode. Now, how do I feel about this episode? I don't know. Oh shit. Well, before I get to the episode, there was a match, right? I mean, that was kind of like the, the, the arc of the whole thing, right? So there was a match that happened and well, wouldn't you know it, AFC Richmond got absolutely fucking smoked. They ended up losing 5-0. Not a great day at the office. They had booted out of the FA Cup. Not, not pleasant, right? 
But that bad news aside, Jamie Tart's uh, decking his father's bad news aside, learning that Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso's father killed himself, that wasn't positive. And my own personal belief of, of Rebecca and Sam being together, not positive. There's a lot to enjoy about this episode. So I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give this one a B. B to B plus. I don't think it was perfect. I think it was very strong. And there, there's a lot that I really like, but I, I it, it's still it's still not the best episode for my money. That being said, it's far from the worst that we've seen this season. I think I think this episode I enjoyed more than last week's episode, but it's still still not perfect, but I enjoyed it. I really did. And there's there's other insights that um, that are a result, and I I, I really don't want to get into it just for the sake of time. So we're going to move on to the next moment. We're just going to talk about oh my god, something crazy did happen this week. So you know we've been doing like our profanity count, right? Well, we're going to call this one shit talking because shit beat the hell out of fuck this week. In fact, shit beat fuck thirteen to twelve. So. Fuck's run of winning each and every week due to the, for like profanity references lost this week. So there were more shits than fucks. So shout out, congrats to shit winning 13 to 12. Um, let's see, what did I learn? I learned that Winnie the Pooh was based on a real bear from the London Zoo. I actually didn't know that. I also learned that Ted used to watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Um, May, we all love May. She has an AFC Richmond tattoo on her ass. So that's incredible. Pop culture references. There weren't a ton that I wrote down. Um, there was a great a great Kyrie Irving mentioned, or rather Kyrie Irving flat earther mentioned. That was funny. Ted uh, impersonated Kermit the Frog. And I think he also did a Sling Blade reference. So that was good. Music. We had a little Don't Look Back in Anger, which is a song by Oasis. And those that know a little bit about Manchester City, the Gallagher brothers are huge, huge Oasis fans. Oh, speaking of Manchester City, can I, we also talk about how fulfilling it is for me anyway that Jamie's father, who's a total asshole, is a Manchester City fan? Like, it's very, very part of the course. Um, not that all Manchester city fans are jerks, right. But in the past 10 years, there's not a lot to like about Manchester city. I mean, you take this club that's been around for a long time that hadn't won anything for literal decades, right. We're talking decades, like 60, 70 years or something like just miserable franchise. They get bought out by this middle Eastern royalty and seemingly overnight, they, they become like the wealthiest club and they start buying all the good players and they basically bought their way into success. So to see Jamie's father, a fan of, uh, of this team, it works there. You know, it's, he, he's a piece of shit and Manchester city are a team with, you know, crappy history that have basically bought their, their, their uh, fame and fortune ever since. So yeah, maybe I sound a little petty on that one. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, whatever, whatever. But um, so anyway, uh, don't look back in anger. 
Oasis song. Again, man, uh, the Gallagher brothers from Oasis, huge Manchester City fan. So that was fitting. I already mentioned Somewhere Only We Know by King. And I, I'm saying King, but that is K-E-A-N-E. So, you know, if you're listening, I'm not saying King like, you know, uh, a king, not royalty, but Keen, K-E-A-N-E. What else? Uh, oh, some like key scenes that I enjoyed. Roy and Beard in the very beginning saying nothing to each other. That was that was like total vibes. I love that. Higgins's new office, the cleaning closet. Big fan of that. The ooh, the the Hoosier scene that wasn't where Roy's trying to give everybody a pep, a pep talk, and he's like, the the field behind you is the same exact shape and size as the one that we pay on play on back home. Well, no, it's not. They're they're not the same size. In fact, Wembley's about five hundred square yards bigger than or 500 square feet, whatever. It's bigger. Uh, Wembley is a bigger stadium. So that was fun. Oh, Nate calling Mike Dean, the the referee in the match, a dickless wonder was perfection because Mike Dean is a total dickless wonder as far as I'm concerned. Now, I also wonder if they did this because Coach Beard, if you don't know this, is a huge, huge fan. And specifically, he's a huge Arsenal fan. And Mike Dean has basically not been the greatest referee when calling Arsenal matches. So a lot of Arsenal fans hate Mike Dean. So for Brendan Hunt to be part of a show where he's able to call Mike Dean one of the most hated referees in Dickless Wonder was the tops. So great job. Loved it. Love that. Is there anything else? Um... That might be it. That might be it for this week. Now, I do want to close this particular episode with my quote that I've got for this one. And it comes from Higgins. And this show tackles a lot of issues, but no more so does this show focus on than a lot of daddy issues. Tons. Each, each, each week, there seems to be a major like daddy issue that goes on. And Higgins has a great line that I feel that many of us should kind of like stop and reflect on. And Higgins says, I try to love my dad for who he is and forgive him for who he isn't. I love that. I think that's great. I think that's great. I don't think I have anything else to contribute to that. I'm just going to let you marinate on that. I'm not going to do any pr- uh, predictions, but I'm going to toss out five like burning questions that that I've got for you. Question number one: Sam and Rebecca, where is this affair going? Do you have any ideas? What what do you what do you think? What are you team Sam and Rebecca? Do you think this is good, or do you think this is only going to end badly? Question number two: When it comes to Roy and Jamie, what what does their new relationship look like essentially now that? Roy has embraced his his leadership and come to the aid of Jamie. What is that? What is, what does their relationship look like now? Third question: Ted and Doc. You know, we we now know we now know what is really truly ailing Ted. Is she going to fix him? How does she fix him? Or is this going to spiral in an even worse direction? Question number four I've got for you, Nate and himself. I mean, this was a good episode for him, but we know that 
we just didn't address the, the, the 500 pound gorilla in the room. Right. So what, what's the next step for him? What does he is, does he have an immediate redemption or does he fall even further? And then finally, your final question that I've got for you, Trent Krim, what does he uncover first? Does he find out about, about Sam and Rebecca, or does he find out that Ted Lasso is seeking therapy due to panic attacks? So there you go. That's, that's this episode, episode eight. That's all I've got for you. As always, please like, listen, subscribe, follow me, leave reviews, rate, whatever. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all under Stamper Cinema. And as always, you can always reach out to me and email as well at stampercinemapodcast at gmail.com. And that is your recap for episode eight. Let me know what you think. My name is Andrew and I am signing out. I will see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema. Bye, everybody.